If you have a Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 10, 35 to 37. I believe this passage can be found on page 869 of your pew Bible, and it'll be up on the screen as well. Um, so thank you for the opportunity to share about our mission trip to Atlantic City. Hopefully you see from the, the pictures, the um, slideshow, the, uh, and, he, and hear from our um, people sharing about our trip that it really was a great trip, and we really did experience God at work in our own lives through this trip, and we really did get to experience uh, God working through us um, in all of our interactions with the people in Atlantic City. So it really was a great trip. The church in Atlantic City that we went to serve is really focused on serving the poor and on how the gospel leads to racial reconciliation. So for our passage this morning, I tried to pick a passage that would emphasize both of those things. So this passage is ultimately about mercy. God is merciful to us, and he's called us to be merciful to others. So I'll go ahead and read the passage for us. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. That he, then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers, he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Let's pray. God, thank you for your incredible mercy to us. Lord, we uh, fall short in many ways and constantly. Um, Lord, we have not loved you the way you deserve. Um, we have not loved others the way you love us and call us to love. Lord, thank you so much for sending a Savior. Um, Jesus, thank you for being righteous in our place, for uh, being treated as we deserve to be treated so that we can be treated the way you deserve to be treated. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, I pray that as we look into your word that we would be reminded of your mercy for us and that uh, getting this chance to treasure it again, that uh, we would be moved to extend mercy to others around us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it seems like people have a natural tendency to believe that our relationships with God are based on what we do. 
uh, Walt has pointed this out, other people have pointed this out, but I really do think it is true. In most areas of our lives, what we do determines what we get. Uh, so if you are a student and you study hard, you tend to get better grades. If you don't study, then you tend to get worse grades. In your jobs, if you uh, do a good job, you tend to get raises and promotions. And if you don't do a good job, you tend to get passed over or let go. Uh, physically, you know, if we diet and exercise, we tend to be physically fit. And if we don't, well, we don't. Uh, if we, and financially, if we uh, manage our money well and, uh, you know, save, we tend to increase in wealth. And if we don't, well, we don't. Uh, it, in most of life, it just seems that uh, what, what we get is determined by what we do. And no matter how many times we hear that relationship with God is different, uh, we just still tend to believe deep down that our relationships with God are based on what we do. And it seems to me that that is the case for the lawyer in this passage. In verse 25, he comes to Jesus and he says, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus also knows that this guy is not coming sincerely. He's coming to test him. And so Jesus, being uh, you know, omniscient, uh, puts, the, puts the, the question back on him. And he says, well, uh, what does God's word say? How do you read it? And the lawyer does give a good answer. In verse uh, 27, he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, that's true. Um, if you were the kind of person that overflowed in love for God and love for people, it would show that you are a saved person. So, yes, do that and you will live. As the lawyer thinks about it, he realizes, I haven't really kept that standard. Um, I haven't loved all people uh, the way I should, but maybe if I can just shrink the circle down of people that I'm required to love, then maybe, you know, maybe it's like an attainable goal. Um, so he says, well, who qualifies as my neighbor? Uh, if it's just, you know, close family members, my closest friends, maybe my coworkers, maybe... Uh, acquaintances I see frequently, if we can just get the number down, maybe that's something I can do. And uh, we see by the end of this that, that's, that Jesus isn't going to let him get away with that. But the, the point is, he's trying to justify himself. He's looking at what he does, and he's trying to convince himself that he has done enough to be confident that he has eternal life. He's trying to base his relationship with God on what he does. And we do that same kind of thing. How do you know if you have eternal life? How do you know if you've been accepted by God? And too often, we look at ourselves for the answer to that question. We think, I'm a good person. I uh, am a good spouse. I'm a good uh, parent. I work hard at my job. I'm kind to others. I go to church. I serve at church. Uh, I, I read my Bible. I pray. I try not to sin. But it's all about us. We try to relate to God on the basis of what we do. Or, uh, like the lawyer in this passage, we take a more sophisticated approach, and we try to justify ourselves. Um, we try to show that we aren't really that bad. Uh, we try to show that, yes, okay, so we sinned, but there were mitigating circumstances. Uh, we 
get angry, but it's not that we're angry people. It's just all the people around us do all this stupid stuff. Uh, our words are harsh, but it's because, hey, I was so tired. Uh, we indulge in things we shouldn't indulge in, but it's because we're under a lot of pressure. We're under a lot of stress. Uh, we try to convince ourselves, you know, we're not that bad. Uh, we try to base our relationships with God on what we do. And I think the Christian gospel, in this sense, is both devastating and liberating. Uh, the, the gospel is devastating because it tells us we really are that bad. We haven't loved God the way he deserves. Uh, we haven't loved others the way God calls us to. There's no way to justify it. There's no way to clean yourself up. You really are that bad. And so that is a little devastating. But it's also incredibly liberating because you can't clean yourself up. Well, you don't have to. Instead, we can just trust in God's mercy. Jesus is the only one who loved his father the way he deserved. Jesus is the only one who consistently loved others as he loved himself. Um, he proved it by going to the cross for us. Uh, Jesus, the only righteous one, allowed himself to be treated the way we deserve to be treated so that we can be treated the way he deserves to be treated, as righteous. Our relationships with God are not based on what we do. Our relationships with God are based on what Christ has done for us. We don't have to perform to get God to accept us. We can simply rest in God's mercy to us that he's shown us in Christ. And when we are trusting in God's mercy, we don't have to justify ourselves anymore. Um, we don't have to make excuses for our sin. We don't have to blame others for our sin. We don't have to try to convince ourselves or others that we're actually better than we really are. Uh, we don't have to pretend. We don't have to hide. Uh, we really are that bad. We need a savior, and we have one, and he's awesome. And so we can simply rest in his mercy. And then when we realize how merciful God has been to us, then it allows us to overflow in love back to him. Um, it makes us want to extend to others the same love and mercy that God has extended to us. So in verse 29, the lawyer asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And that from him was a bad question because he was trying to justify himself and shrink up the circle of people he was responsible for. But Jesus is really smart. And so he took a bad question and he flipped it around and he gave a good answer. Um, and, he's, and his answer was, well, this is how you be a good neighbor. Um, God has been merciful to us and we need to be merciful to others. And in this parable, Jesus is showing us what that looks like. And so as we think about mercy, um, I, I want to think of it in light of the fact that we're, this is, you know, Atlantic City mission trip Sunday. Um, let's think of it in terms of what does it mean to be merciful to those who are materially poor? So Jesus's parable is about a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. This is an 18-mile journey. Uh, it's a very rocky terrain with caves and lots of rocks and because of that, it was known as a very dangerous path because there are a lot of places for robbers to hide and ambush you. And so Jesus' story is about a man who exactly that happens. He's traveling along, and he's robbed, and he's beaten, and he's left for dead. The 
the priest and the Levite in the parable um, are to demonstrate what mercy is not. Um, they just pass by on the other side and don't do anything for him. The Samaritan is obviously the example that Jesus gives us to show what it looks like to be merciful to those who are in need. So in verse 33, it says that the Samaritan saw him and had, had compassion. And so as we extend mercy to others, uh, we need to see the materially poor around us, um, and we need to care about what they're going through. Then the Samaritan did something, and we need to show mercy to others in tangible ways as well. So on this mission trip, we did go into these uh, low-income apartment complexes, and there were a lot of comments about how, you know, people were nervous. And honestly, rightfully so. Uh, I don't believe that I put any children in unnecessary risk or anything. Um, but honestly, you know, this is an uncontrolled environment. Uh, and while we were there, there was a murder on, uh, nearby one of the neighborhoods where we were, that we were serving in. So this was a dangerous area. Uh, and so we were you know, nervous, understandably, to go in and serve in these neighborhoods. Uh, but as we went in and served in these neighborhoods and had kids sitting on our laps and um, had kids rapping for us and, you know, um, uh, doing the Bible lessons with us and everything, we got to know them and we realized, hey, these are people just like us. And um, so in that sense, we were able to see and care um, for the people in these neighborhoods. And then on, on the mission trip, we talked a lot about how it was um, so great to be able to be part of doing something uh, for these low-income neighborhoods in Atlantic City. And so I know that we've come back with this conviction and desire to do something uh, for the materially poor in this area as well. So we need to be merciful to others by having compassion for them and actually doing something to serve. Next, we need to be merciful to others in costly ways. So as we think about the Samaritan in this parable, we realize that it really cost him something to serve this guy who was in need. It cost him physical danger uh, because, as Tim Keller pointed out, if you are in a city at night and you're in a bad part of town and you walk by an alley and you see someone in the alley who has been beaten and robbed, then you, have, um, then you, you can be very confident that there are dangerous people nearby because you see the evidence. And so, you know, naturally, we would probably want to run away and call the authorities to go in. Uh, but this guy, with clear evidence that there are robbers nearby, goes in and um, personally gets involved. So he, he, it was costly in terms of putting his own personal safety at risk. It was costly in terms of time. We know from the parable that he gave up at least a day of his life to care for this guy, and that hadn't been the plan. He's going on this road for something, and uh, that wasn't the plan. Uh, it was costly in terms of his clothing. It says that he bandaged this guy, but we can be pretty confident that it, he didn't have like a first aid kit with him, and so he was probably tearing his clothes to uh, create the bandages that were necessary. It was costly in terms of oil and wine, which were kind of medicinal remedies of the day. Um, but, you know, I'm sure he had other plans for that oil and wine, but he was depriving himself of it for the sake of this guy. He got dirty, uh, you know, in order to bandage this guy. He had to get down in the dirt. He got blood on him. Uh, from that moment on, 
um, it says that he put him on his animal. So probably he had to walk from then on, unless he had more than one animal with him. And it was costly to him in terms of money. He gave two denarii, which is equivalent to two, two days' wages. So if you figure out what you make in two days, then, you know, that was his upfront investment for this guy who was in need. Anyway, it was costly. And Jesus is telling us that showing mercy to others is costly in terms of physical risk, in terms of discomfort, in terms of expenditure of time and expenditure of money. Um, on this mission trip, I think that we were moved by the fact that the pastors of the church moved into the low-income uh, areas of town, into the rougher neighborhoods. And they have to raise their own salaries because the church is not able to support them financially. So I think we just need to realize that as we extend mercy to people in Southern Maryland, it's going to be costly for us as well. Next, we need to be merciful to people in relational ways. Again, the, the Samaritan didn't just run and call the authorities. He got involved personally. He was you know, up close and personal, bandaging the guy. It says he spent the night caring for him. Um, he, he made a long-term commitment. He said, I'll be back to check on how he's doing. Uh, he got involved relationally. And one of the reasons why we like this mission trip to Atlantic City is because uh, it is a long-term relational investment for the people who are serving in Atlantic City. The pastors who are there, the church members who are there, they are, they are in a long-term relational investment. Uh, so Andrew Whipple talked about this guy, Hakeem, that, who he talked to on the beach at the surf camp. But Hakeem, I think, is probably still in worship in Atlantic City right now at the church that we went to serve uh, because his, family, his mom drags him to the church. And so um, the, the pastors there and the people there have an opportunity to continue the, uh, you know, their role in Hakeem's life. That We were just there for a short time, but they're there over the long haul giving this relational investment. And that's what it's going to be like for us, too, in Southern Maryland. As we extend mercy to the materially poor, it's going to be a, uh, a long-term relational investment. We also need to be merciful to everyone. Uh, when Jesus told this parable, he specifically chose a Samaritan to be the hero of the, of the story because it would be shocking to the, to the Jewish guy he was telling the parable to. Because Samaritans were different than Jews racially and religiously, um, and because Jews at that time period generally looked down on Samaritans. Um, but Jesus made him the hero of the story to make the point that mercy needs to be extended to all, even those who are very different from us. On our uh, mission trip, uh, most of us were white. We went and served alongside of a church that was um, primarily uh, Asian, um, and the people that we went to serve were primarily black and Hispanic. And we were really uh, encouraged and uh, moved by the fact that one of the uh, ministry leaders at the church there sends his daughter to a school where she's the only white kid in her class. Uh, so I think just especially in light of what has happened recently in Charlottesville, Virginia, that we just need to remember that all people are made in the image of God and that God calls us to love all people um, as we love ourselves. We really do need to be merciful. Um, so Jesus gave this example of the Good Samaritan, and then he finished his story by saying, you go and do likewise. So Jesus is calling us to extend mercy to all people 
in ways that are compassionate and costly and relational. And if we try to do that without treasuring the gospel, then we will be like the guy in this story who tried to justify himself and tried to shrink the circle down to those he's really responsible for and tried to find out, like, how much is enough. Um, but uh, instead of that, we should look at how merciful God has been to us and just realize we really are that bad. Um, we really haven't loved God the way he deserves. We really haven't loved one another um, the way that we're called to. We really need a savior, and we really have one, and he's awesome. Um, and we need to treasure the mercy that God has extended to us. Realize um, what Jesus has done for us, taking on himself what we deserve for our sins so that we can be treated the way that only he deserves to be treated. Um, and as we are moved by his mercy to us, then we will want to overflow in love for him and we'll want to uh, serve others around us and extend mercy. So uh, we really did have a good time in Atlantic City. Uh, we, we experienced God's work in our own lives. Like I said, we got to see God at work in the church there in Atlantic City. We got to see God at work in the people that we were going to serve. Uh, we got to see God at work in the other team. It, it was, it was a, a great experience. So um, again, thank you to everyone who came on the trip. Thank you to everyone here uh, in the church who prayed for us and supported us financially. We do hope to return again next year. And uh, we hope that you would like to come with us. So, there, uh, yeah, I'd love to have you on the team. And we also hope that this experience, that God has used this experience in our lives to turn us into people who are merciful um, so that we will extend mercy to, you know, people here in Southern Maryland and really wherever we are. Um, God is merciful. God has been merciful to us. And so we need to be merciful to others. So let me go ahead and uh, close this in prayer. Um, God, I pray for the church uh, in Atlantic City. Lord, there are people there who are serving so faithfully for so many years. Lord, sustain them. Help um, draw them close to yourself. Keep them close with you. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Give them wisdom for the mission that you have given them. Lord, we pray for the people that we went to serve uh, and the, the people that the church in Atlantic City is continuing to serve. Um, over the long haul. Lord, we pray that you would save them, um, that they would look to you for your mercy, um, and that, uh, that you'd be merciful to them, even just in the practical terms of their lives. Uh, Lord, provide for them in every way. Lord, we want shalom. We want all things to be the way they're supposed to be. Um, so, Lord, we, we trust you that you are at work uh, there in Atlantic City and everywhere. Lord, thank you so much for your mercy to us. Um, and Lord, uh, it, is, it is an awesome thing. We need a Savior and we have one. Um, thank you for your mercy. That um, means that we don't have to try to clean ourselves up. Uh, we can just rejoice in what you've done for us. And Lord, moved by that, turn us into people who are merciful to others around us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.